You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. Tonight we're going to be breaking down another Auburn men's basketball game, this time the beginning of SEC competition. Your Auburn Tigers go on the road to start Vegas to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and I am pleased to tell you, as you, many of you well know, the Auburn Tigers come out victorious by the score of 80-68, to 68, pushing their record to 13-0 and on the year and a 1-0 and start in conference play, still one of the two unbeaten teams in the nation. We're going to break down all of the action, the news, and storylines from this game. To do so, brought in my friend and my co-host, Mr. Drew Hooper. 1-0, baby. How's it feel? It feels pretty good. It was um, looking pretty ominous there for the first, like, 15 minutes of the game, (laughs) but uh, apparently that is 2019-2020 Auburn basketball for you. It's just the way things are going to go this season. I've just convinced myself of that. Just expect the team to get a lead no matter who they are, how inferior they may be. They're still going to get a lead on Auburn, and then Auburn's just going to slowly chip away and basically beat the will out of you to win and eventually take the victory home. At least that's the way it's played out thus far in the game here. And I want to kind of, before we jump into actual game conversation here, I want to have a couple interesting notes just kind of surrounding Auburn basketball right now. Uh, Something we picked up on the broadcast tonight is that Auburn is one of the only teams to allegedly, I I bet if you really looked into the stat, it probably would be 100% true, but I'm going to go with it for now. According to the broadcasters tonight, they're the only team to keep their starters completely the same for every game this season. And I think that's quite interesting that no other team has done that, seeing how there's 200-something teams in college basketball. Uh, but, Drew, you got to think that that has contributed to Auburn's success, that the consistency has allowed them to get really comfortable with each other, and when these tough situations arise, they don't crumble. Yeah, it, definitely that's got to help just Bruce Pearl being confident and knowing, like, this, these are my guys, this is my rotation, and I'm set and secure on that. And really, I mean, it goes back to the old adage of it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right now, you're sitting at 13-0. and 0, It's not broke, so why why is he going to mess with what's working so far? I wouldn't say it's broke, but I would say there are times it takes a little while to get that engine churned up. We saw that tonight. Uh, offensively was mainly what we're speaking of here. Defense, I, I think we have seen pretty much uh, consistent play throughout non-conference and now at the beginning uh, conference play. But the offense at times has just taken quite a while to get things rolling and uh, it can make for some interesting first halves in Auburn basketball. Uh, also another note, Auburn coming into this game, I found this very surprising, 2-15 two and uh, two and 15 in the last 17 games at Stark Vegas I, Drew, I was not aware that we were that bad of losers at Starks, Starkville, and uh, were you aware of this stat? 
No, but it does seem right. I mean, you got to think like Mississippi State's always had decent teams, right? And Auburn for a long time and had really bad teams, and so you got to think that goes back until at least mid two thousand. I mean, we're looking at two thousand five there uh, with playing one game a year there. So I mean that it makes sense as far as the fact that Mississippi State has always been decent, Auburn's always been pretty rough. So it, maybe the tide is changing and we will be 15-0 and 0 and start Vegas. Sir, how dare you use a term like tide here on this podcast? You accuse me of being the Alabama fan, but yet you use the... I use the word tide? That, yeah. I mean, uh, they are the Alabama elephants, aren't they? <laughs> sure. <laughs> At least that's what they want to tell you, but uh, that's their little mascot that runs around. But uh, it offends me a little bit when you use those terms. Um, how about this? Let's let's talk about it from this standpoint, and this moves us more into talking about the game. Would you say that this win on the road at Mississippi State is something that Auburn can point to at the end of the season and say this is part of our this is our our petition for getting into a certain spot in the tournament? Is this something Auburn can put their stamp on as part of their resume? I don't really know. I think that's like late January type questions because then by that time of the season, you know who's on the bubble. You know where everyone's standing. We're still really early on. We we haven't even played really half of the season yet. We, we're still about two or three games away from that. And so I, it can be. I think Mississippi State showed that they're a really good basketball team, but also showed that they just go blank from time to time and just – throw their game plan out the window and do what they want. I mean, Ben Howland had to be really mad at how his team performed because they did so well for the first 15 minutes and then just mailed it in the rest of the time. And so I, I really don't know, but I think this is one that Auburn's going to be able to point back to and go, man, we dug ourselves out of another hole. We don't need to keep doing that. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a storyline we've seen play out a lot in non-conference play and at times tonight, it got a little disconcerting to watch it happen again at the beginning of conference play here. But I think with what we know right now about Auburn and Mississippi State, especially after watching a game with them, I think for the moment we can put that stamp on this game and say this is a reason that Auburn deserves to be one of the top NCAA tournament because it was a road victory against what appears to be at this moment a very good Mississippi State team, albeit uh, with some challenges that they got themselves in. So that's the way I'm choosing to look at it for the moment. Uh, with a non-conference schedule that was good for Auburn, but not outstanding. Um, I think this is a a great way to kind of start conference play. A road win is hard to get, but a road win in the SEC is even harder at this point. A little bit of game flow uh, talk for the uh, listeners here. For the first half, if you weren't able to watch some awful, and I mean awful, shooting by Auburn, which really caused the game to nearly get out of hand had it not been for what Drew already said, uh, them after the first 15 minutes just forgetting how to make a basket, and they had their own troubles down there. So I'd like to discuss this with you, Drew. Was it that, I'm trying to put my, my, my mind around this, was it that Auburn was just that bad, or were they just having some bad luck? Oh, Auburn was just that bad. Like, they were taking very ill-advised shots. I'm not I don't want to harp on McCormick, but he had a Jekyll and Hyde performance from the first half to the second half yep. today. And the first half, he didn't get the offense into the sets quick enough. I remember specifically one time in the first half, he waited until the five-second mark to call out a play. Yep. Uh, had kind of dribbled around, did his own thing, five-second mark, tried to get into the play, ended up just jacking up a three. It, you That's got to work out of your system. Uh 
you can tell that he is still learning on the job and obviously second half went in, made the adjustments, came out, had a on-fire half, but I, that was the big struggle. And Auburn tends to be one of these teams as well. Whenever it doesn't click from the get-go, we, we love to keep trying to shoot the three. Uh, not that we need to shy away from the three, but whenever you're starting off like 0 of 5, 0 of 6, maybe it's time to look at a little different route because we're not the same team that we were last year. And so, uh, honestly, in the second half, came out and delivered haymaker after haymaker, and Mississippi State stayed in it, but from the whole team, it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance. Absolutely, and I I don't fault you for getting on to the uh, discussion about Javon's decision-making times, because I noticed it too. There was one moment there when they weren't able to get the ball to him to set up the play, and he kept waving his arms, and instead of just trying to find a way to contribute, that really gets under my skin when I watch players not know what they need to be doing when they're not the person, uh, when they're away from the ball, so to speak, there. But to your point, Jekyll and Hyde, obviously the Jekyll part of it being his second half, was amazing. He couldn't stop making. He was floating one in. He was making a three. He was dishing it out. So it, it seems like Javon McCormick, as frustrating as he can be at times, has an ability to make up for it very quickly because just as soon as you're ready to say something about him, he does something really great. I would like to see him, as you said, work some of these kinks that he's had at the beginning of games out of his system so that we don't get ourselves in, into some of them. Uh, but other than him, the whole team was just, I mean, just awful, awful shooting. Now, if you look at the percentage shooting, field goal percentage was 42% for the album. That's mainly, thankfully, to a uh, a second half that was a lot better. Three-point percentage was 23% from the field. And really the thing that kept Auburn from getting out of hand in the uh, first half was that free throw percentage. 70% on the game, so not great by my marks, but still pretty good. Uh, Drew, if Auburn doesn't make those free throws, this thing probably goes a lot different way from the beginning of the second, of the first half. Oh, for sure, especially like you're talking about in the first half. It, they made them down the stretch in the second half, but that definitely in that first half we were getting to the point where it was going to be critical mass if we did not knock down our free opportunities because it was 17 eight at the time Auburn wasn't getting a basket Mississippi State had started to come out of their funk a little bit more and Auburn was getting to that danger zone of are they going to just roll over and die because the game's too far out of hand but thankfully players started getting into the line and really knocking down their shots Dowdy had a couple where he got in the lane McCormick as well Wiley started getting fouled and really that that kind of helped see the ball go through the basket, know that that was an actual reality. And then the game started to pick up from there. Yeah, definitely did. And speaking of just kind of how the game picked up, uh, well, not even picked up for me, the energy level in this game was from the very get-go. You could tell that this was the beginning of conference play. Both teams and both fan bases were super excited for this. Uh, I think you had a little bit of the storyline for Mississippi State. Probably, uh, you know, their coach was telling them, hey, you know, you got a chance to knock off the Giant in the conference right now. So there there was a lot of energy, which I, I think really played into some of the nervousness for Auburn, but also Mississippi State. I mean, you saw blocks galore, steals, turnovers for the first five minutes there. No, Neither team could really get settled, and the fan bases were just into it the entire time. So credit goes to the Mississippi State fans for showing up and supporting their team. But I got to tell you, Drew, I was surprised at the amount of Auburn fans that came to the hump to support the Tigers. I mean, so much so that you could hear it's great to be an Auburn Tiger chanted out at the at the end of the game. Now, granted, it was very quiet at the end of the game from the Mississippi State fans, but what a turnout from our Auburn fans. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I talked about it on the last episode. Bruce said probably the best time to be able to see this Auburn Tigers team is going to be on the road because all the games at home are sold out. And you know what? People who have watched this team rise have maybe been Auburn grads or Auburn fans just for the football sake for years are finally like, well, we have something basketball that we can really cheer about. And you know what? That's resulting in giving us a little bit of an advantage on the road just to see some friendly, familiar faces and to hear some some sounds of home whenever you're in those arenas. Yeah, it's going to make a a great advantage for uh, having a team that's worthy of traveling with to some of these places. You know, as we get further away from home, it's going to be, I'm sure, harder for um, Auburn Tigers fans to follow them. But the thing is, those that are there regionally safe for a Texas A&M game are now probably more excited to go see their uh, Tigers as they come to the regions where they live at right now. So definitely, if you cannot make it to Auburn Arena and experience that atmosphere, you definitely need to come over to an away game and check out the Tigers right now. For Mississippi State, Drew, the big storyline also was the return of Nick Weatherspoon, which we kind of broke on our last episode. Uh, Not uh, us breaking the news personally, but just kind of discussing the breaking news. And uh, it it kind of concerned us a little bit, and I think rightfully so, when we look at how Nick Weatherspoon contributed in this game. Uh, If you just look at his stat line, 18 points, 6 for 7 from the free throw line, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, he did have six turnovers, which was the most, and I think you could see that from the, the way he was kind of playing very energetically, but also successfully energetically a lot of the times. What did you think about the return of Nick Weatherspoon? Yeah, I thought he played well, but you could tell this was a kid who hasn't played the past 10 games, really hasn't been full game speed, and I have to hop in on an SEC opener against Auburn. Uh, not something most people would want to do, but you know what? He played well. I think the first half is he really kept him in it, really kind of pushed the tempo. But you could tell he started grabbing at that hamstring, mm-hmm. probably 10-minute mark of that second half. And, I mean, that's just part of it. He has not played a full game all year. We're in January. That's going to happen. And I kind of wondered what the game would have looked like had he not – he never went out with it, but you could tell he was obviously affected by it. He didn't cut to the lane as much, really wasn't looking to get his shot off in that way. And so you kind of wonder what possibly could have changed had he not come up a little bit limp in that game. On that note there, though, Drew, what do you know about Nick Weatherspoon? Obviously, Quinn Derry Weatherspoon, who's no longer with the team, has moved on to greener pastures. Um, has He had a, 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 a confounding effect on the Auburn teams at times, and, and te- other teams as well, with how good he was. Do you think Nick Weatherspoon if he's healthy, can be that for the Mississippi State Bulls? I don't think so. I I think he is a really good player, but I think him and his brother are vastly different players. I I think he's a good guy to go out and get you probably 12 to 15 points a game. I mean, we see him drop 18 in this game. But as far as doing all the other little things, he's not wonderful on defense. He is serviceable. He doesn't rebound at a high clip. Uh, he's not a stat sheet stuffer like his brother was. And so I think that, you know what, he's a great player, or not a great player, he's a good player, uh, but I think he fits well in the system for what they have with Perry and Otto and all those guys. Yeah, and I think I'm glad you actually – Ado, I know, you know, we, we mispronounce names here all the time, but I, I'm glad you actually brought those two up because I think I was more intrigued by the combo that was those two than I was Nick Weatherspoon. Yeah, he got some points in this game and kind of made some flashy highlights, but 
I thought what happened here, if you look at Auburn versus Mississippi State in the front court, you've obviously got uh, Austin Wiley and really Anthony McLemore. Now they tip, they don't typically play a lot of time together. Uh, he like Bruce Pearl likes to spread them out, but you saw Ado or Adu, however you say his name and Perry together a lot on the floor. And it kind of forced a, a bit of a chess match there with the big men for both sides, and which got Anthony McLemore into some foul trouble there with him having to come spot some time Austin Wiley at na- every now and again. So I thought Mississippi State kind of exposed a way to kind of hurt Auburn a little bit is if you've got a really good big man combo uh, to use against them. Uh, that you could possibly get one of the two in foul trouble and then force Auburn to stick their entire way with either Anthony McLemore or Austin Wiley and really force the ball into them. What did you think about uh, that aspect of it, but also that that combo from Mississippi State? I mean, I I get it. Uh, There was a little weakness there. I thought McLemore was just very undisciplined in how he played defense today. He got up in the air on the ball fake far too often. But with that, I I think you saw the chess match going on, like you mentioned, but... I think Auburn won that because really what it opened Auburn up to do is, yeah, you had to defend that on the defensive end, and it was like playing volleyball at that backboard a lot of times, trying to get a rebound on defense, but Auburn did well with their guards rebounding today. The The big key that I saw Auburn exploit on the offensive end, those guys couldn't switch off of their big man, and when they did, they were getting onto a quicker guard and would be yep. able to lay it up. McCormick and Dowdy were getting in the lane, but they would – McLemore and Wiley would put themselves on the block and just pin their guy in. And you're seeing McLemore, Dowdy, and all those guys just get into the lane and do that little floater. And we saw so many floaters, those mid-range jumpers go down right in the middle of the lane. I think it was because the big men for Mississippi State were engaged to their defender, or they were engaged defending their Auburn big man and couldn't step out and block the shot. We saw a lot of block shots today, but I think we would have saw more had Bruce Pearl not committed to doing a lot of two big sets today. Yeah, there were a lot of block shots in this game, six for Auburn, 12 for Mississippi State. I think credit goes to uh, Mississippi State there for their combo, for doing a great job there. And I did really notice a lot of the floaters, as you said, whether it was from the big men or the guards for Auburn. Uh, It got me thinking at some points was the gravity different there in the hump uh, because the amount of it just kind of hanging up there and just beautifully landing into. Austin Wiley had a great kind of little baby hook shot there. Uh, in the second half that I, I'm a sucker for a baby hook and when Austin Wiley can make those it was weak handed too it was uh, that's thank you I'm so glad you noticed that like I, I literally jumped up out of my seat when he did that I was like thank you Austin this is what I've been wanting to see from you this entire time here and he's do- and he's doing that on a consistent basis here the last couple of, most of the season but see of uh, last couple of games as well so offensively Drew what's Auburn got to do to kind of stop these struggles that they've had at the very beginning of the game? I I think it comes down to what I mentioned about McCormick, and really this goes for everyone. It's playing offense with intentionality. Uh, You can't go out there and be half-hearted about what you're going to do or non-committal. You you have to understand, if you're not pressing them on the break, you're going to have to get into your half-court set because typically what you're wanting to see is you get into your set at like the 22nd mark, run it, 
if it doesn't come off, you have 10 more seconds to get into your second set and you have options. Right now, Auburn's not playing with options and I think that's costing them a lot of points off the board. I think if they take a step back, get into their offense quicker, make the intentionality behind it, you're going to see Auburn get better looks because they're going to be able to throw multiple sets out during a possession rather than having to settle with, okay, we're going with this. And this is it is what it is. It's almost like a quarterback getting the play at the 10 second mark and he's not able to look at the coverage, look at where the Mike linebacker is, anything like that. It's the same here. Like you have to be able to look at what the defense is throwing at you. How are they going to defend it? If that doesn't work, being able to swap the play. And a lot of that comes with the guy who's running the point, whether it's Dowdy, whether it's McCormick, whether whoever it is, they have to have intentionality pressing the ball and pressing the, the offense into gear. Yeah, and, and those struggles that uh, whoever was uh, bringing the ball up had at the beginning of the game obviously were negated by the end of this year because all our starters end up in double digits. Pretty good night for such a considerably awful start offensively for Auburn. And, and one we should point out who probably, you know, 28 points from McCormick is pretty awesome, but I think what I would consider the hero of the game personally would be Daniel Purifoy. Again, we've talked about him before. He has found a way to kind of just hang out in the starting lineup, but not do a whole lot until it is the perfect time. And then he strikes like just this this snake in the in in the, in the jungle that you never see, and then it's over with. Because at a very critical point, I think Auburn was only up by two halfway through the second half. He goes on an eleven zero run, well not eleven zero, but it was like an it was a big run, eight zero run by himself, and just takes the wind out of Mississippi State's Stales. Drew, it's my opinion that if Dangel doesn't knock down at least some of those shots, Auburn doesn't win this game. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably pretty accurate. Auburn's either not winning or you're in a much bigger dogfight than you wanted to be at the end of that game. And you know what? They, Bruce hasn't has intentionality with that like he wants Purefoy to get going early because he knows if he gets him that confidence early, Purefoy is gonna gonna eat and he missed his first two shots, really struggled. He's been struggling off and on on the offensive end, but really playing really like very lockdown defense for the most part. So while he's not stuffing the box score on that end, he is doing his his bit on the defensive end. And you know what? I, I'm waiting for when the dam finally breaks open for Daniel Purefoy oh, yeah. because he's a scorer. Like that's what he came to Auburn as. He came to Auburn as a really good player who knew how to put the ball in the bucket. And I'm waiting for when that dam breaks open. I hope it's against a big opponent. I mean, I hope he's the one who ends up putting the nail in the coffin for the Alabama basketball program (laughs) in a few weeks. Uh, But like, you just know it's coming. His shot's too pure. He he works too hard. He's going to, it's all going to click shortly. Uh, his shot is pure, just like his name is Purifoy here. That's that's a bad joke there, but not as. Look, uh, there were some times that, and this is not even a basketball like important thing here, but uh, I forget. I think it, I forget the guy's name who was the SEC Network announcer, but he was struggling with people's names tonight. He was calling Okoro Okoru, and he kept calling Purifoy Purify. I, I just. It, it made me just roll my eyes every single time he messed up someone's name. And I guess we should be used to it because nobody could get Mustafa right forever. Uh, but uh, surely, like you said, his his shot is very pure and it kind of matches. Um, any other takeaways from you from the Auburn-Mississippi State game? Two bench points. Uh, that, that can't happen. Yeah. 
we have too many great players off the bench or good players that are going to be great and to only muster two bench is just really unacceptable I think uh, I, I don't really know whether everyone came in with the same mentality today it just looked like when the bench guys would come in, they were a little bit out of sorts. And maybe it's because, other than Anthony McLemore, that was everyone's first SEC game off the bench. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, life comes at you hard in the SEC, hard and fast. And you know what? I, I think that's going to be something that they grow out of. But ultimately, that helped Auburn be in a tough spot there for a while. Is that the consistency off the bench that we've seen all year? Bruce Pearl wasn't able just to pull a guy off the bench and throw him in and then go make a difference. They they struggled with the pace at times. They had defenders in their jersey at all points in time, and it really threw uh, the Cambridge and Johnson and Flanagan off their game. Alan Flanagan looked really rough today, where he's typically been a pretty high-rated uh, player. Yeah, and I thought that it was odd we didn't hear one of those three's names called tonight uh, because they were pretty, by the stat sheet alone, they were ineffective. But, uh, you know, it was just an odd situation where Auburn became very successful just by their starters alone. And uh, besides a lone two points from Anthony McLemore, couldn't get any bench production there. So I, I agree with you. Uh, it, it, while it is impressive that your starters were that effective, it's also disconcerting to see in the first SEC game not a lot of support on the back end there. So hopefully that change changes going forward. And I think the next game honestly would be one where they can kind of cut their teeth in sec play against what should be an inferior opponent. Uh, right now we're going to be in our next game, taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores at home in Auburn arena. It's going to be a late night game for most 8 PM central time uh, coming up this Wednesday, the eighth on sec network. You can watch it there. Uh, currently I think, or very soon now, as we're recording this, they'll be playing their last non-conference game against SMU. So pretty decent team there for them to take on. So I would suspect that Vanderbilt takes the loss there, but we'll see what happens. Maybe take some notes from that going into the next game here. As we talked about in our SEC preview, their signature wins would probably be Davidson and Buffalo with a, you know, worse loss probably being Tulsa here. So Drew, has your opinion changed at all since we last talked about Vanderbilt? Are you feeling any type of concern about them coming into Auburn? Uh, not really. Like it's one of those they can get hot, and you really hope it's just not against you. But I think the uh, this Auburn team has shown resilience enough that they're going to be able to fight through it. As far as the the bench players who struggled today, thankfully this one's at Auburn Arena. Let's them get their feet a little bit wet because if we're playing Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt. I actually think that'd be a little bit difficult for him because I know you hate that stadium Gosh, down at Memorial Coliseum, but it, I mean, that's going to be difficult for a first time player, SEC, Vanderbilt's not really a hostile environment because doctors would be nice, but <laughs> it, it's one of those, it, it's a little, it throws you off your kilter, off your axis to have to look all the way down to the, the baseline to see your coach. But we don't have to go to that place this year. It's one of the more infuriating things in college basketball for me is that court. And anyway, that and the guy from South Carolina that I can I can never remember his name, but you think I would as much as he frustrated me so many years ago. Uh, those are like the two things in college basketball that have gotten me the most infuriated over time. But thankfully, we'll be in Auburn Arena for this game here. Uh, it's their first SEC game, so if the storyline that happened in this one with Auburn and Mississippi State holds true, you might expect Vanderbilt, which already has some struggles in non-conference play, to have some struggles in their first ACC game against the best team in the SEC currently right now. Now, 
You have to think about this, though. They have a very good player in Aaron Naismith. He's a sophomore forward, scoring 22.9 points per game. Another guy to keep an eye on, Kelvin Brown, a senior forward. He's getting six rebounds per game. So, Drew, from my opinions here, if we shut, if we keep Aaron Naismith uh, in somewhat check and don't allow anybody else to go off, this should be a pretty easy win for Auburn. Well, I mean, that's where the kicker is. They have Naismith, who sits at 22.9 a game, basically 23 points. And then they have Sabian Lee, who sits at 16.4 points a game. So they have two players who score in the top 10 in the SEC in points per game. And they get to line a decent rate. They get to line at least five to six times a game, which that adds up. I mean, that's fouls. And you know what? They're they're pretty good players. And so that's where my, my nervousness comes in for Vanderbilt, is if those two players get hot, that's kind of nerve-wracking because they can fill up the basket pretty quickly absolutely it's a possibility they could I think it's going to be a little bit hard for them to get going in Auburnina and I know everyone's excited uh, for the first SEC home game so as good as the atmosphere was in Starkville I will bet that it's going to be even more raucous when it comes uh, to Auburn and even at an eight o'clock or nine o'clock game for Eastern time folks uh, for their hometown Auburn Tigers here. But I think if Auburn can shut one of those two down, this should be a pretty easy win for them. And hopefully I won't put my my foot in my mouth as we uh, talk about this game later on down the week. Uh, So that's going to wrap up our discussion for this uh, Mississippi State game and looking ahead to the Vanderbilt game. Quick update for you for the women's program. Uh, sadly, their um, SEC be, uh, beginnings did not start so well. They took a 55-77 to loss to Vanderbilt. Uh, so they did, they did not get the good vibes going in terms of competition with Vandy and basketball this year. Uh, but they will be not having an easier uh, task up ahead for their next game. They'll be taking on number 20 Arkansas. They're number 20 currently. Uh, tomorrow, we're recording this on Saturday at 2 p.m. You can watch it on SEC network so might be a little bit rough for our late forward next game or so um, that's all we have for you on this discussion and this episode here uh, but drew before we get out of here let's give our contact information you can find me on twitter at tiger eye 24 where can they find you find me on twitter also at Drew underscore h-o and thank you guys for listening to another edition of inside the jungle until we talk again war eagle Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?